Thank you. And, and the whole doctor spiel is really not relevant. Um, we are brothers and sisters. Um, you, you have started a series on theology. I forgot what the exact title is. Building a basic theology or something like this? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm well prepared. Um, so you have started the series here in, uh, in, for the morning, and I think a half year ago you ran it in the evening. So this is a repeat, sorry. Um, so I'm spilling the beans here. Um, I believe that Steve and Ben, by the way, are not able to be here because of potentially um, a certain disease that has been around. Um, so anyway, the theme is Christian thinking, and I think Steve uh, has asked me a, a while back to speak on this topic, on theology. And in a sense, thinking rightly about life, having the right kind of ideas about our reality. And having the right idea, having the right thinking actually really matters. If you don't have the right information, you'll make poor decisions and you run into disappointments. Um, and last week, so Carl, I think, kicked us off and he made a few uh, defining statements. And he said that theology, so thinking about God, is our study of God and how we understand him. Then he said how God relates to us and theology is therefore how we then relate to one another. And that brings clarity, worth, peace, and forgiveness in our, into our lives. That's sort of his uh, theme that he came on with. And I'm now basically have the privilege to talk about creation. And <laughs> the funny thing, so in other words, um, how to hug trees. <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> so um, Steve gave me a briefing last time, and he said, and I'm quoting now, he would like me to talk about, quote, about the theology around creation, God as creator, the responsibility humans have to steward the earth, etc., etc., end quote. <laughs> so I want to talk about the etc., etc., end quote. <laughs> and so, yes, the topic is creation. And um, that means... There's a lot of things I could have been talking about, but I chose a few things, two or three things to talk about, main ideas. And of course, when you talk about creation, you um, look at the first book in the Bible, at the book of Genesis, the first two or three chapters. And they start with very famous lines that you probably all could quote. They start with saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over or fluttering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. I won't spend too much time on this, but a majority of people on planet Earth today believe, and the majority of people being Jews, Christians, and Muslims, believe that this reality is created, that there is intention, that there is thought before and behind and over and under everything. The majority of people believe that. And if you now, I invite you to think with me, if you think a little bit more into this, what these first three verses mean is that God thinks, he imagines, he speaks, 
and it becomes. Thought, idea, before matter. Right? That thought and idea should be first, that's called idealism by some people. So that means the bedrock of all this reality is not stuff, is not matter, atoms, particles, energy in flux, that's called materialism. That is not the basis of our reality. No, the bedrock of reality is God's thought. To be more precise, His Word. The scriptures say in many places something like that, not just in Genesis 1. So, for example, in Romans 11, verse 36, Paul reminds us that for from him, through him, and for him are all things. First chapter of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him, that is the Word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Or in the first chapter uh, to the Hebrews, it says that Jesus, God, is sustaining, upholding all things by his powerful word. God's thought, God's word is prior, is first. It is what comes before, what is under all things, from which are all things, and all things are upheld by him. God is upholding all things by his word. He's keeping all things in stable existence right now. So, the question, what was first, chicken or egg, it doesn't work for that reason. Right? The answer is God's thought, God's idea, God's word was first. Which is, by the way, why creation out of nothing, creatio ex nihilio, you may have heard that phrase, is not really right. It is not nothing that this world is made of. It is made of God's ideas, of God's word. And essentially, that means that all of this, you and I, are not just stardust in flux. This world is not just a web of cause and effect chains, blindly, indifferently, hurling through space. All this, you and I are God's thought. We are in God's mind right now. A side note for the nerds of you, um, quantum physics recently has figured this out too. Um, for the wave function to collapse, you must have observation. That is an observer. You need someone who looks before there can be something. If that didn't make any sense, forget about it. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's all good, good. Um, but that's really actually not what I want to talk about. This is just the foundation and the bedrock. That's not the main thing. Um, and of course, I'm also skipping over the Holy Spirit in verse 2 of Genesis. But if you think about it, just with two verses, God introduces himself as a complex being. In Genesis 1.1, you have God created heaven and earth. In Genesis 1.2, you have the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit fluttering or hovering over the water. So God is multipersonal, just with two verses. Again, let us read Genesis 1, and I'm reading now from um, verse 3 onwards, and that's really what I want to spend a little bit of time on and hopefully make an impact on you. Verse 3, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. 
and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault separate the water under the vault from the water above it, and so it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and he gathered waters he called, and the, the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. The first three days of creation. I'd like us to notice that there are three days. That means, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, that God creates in sequence. There's altogether six days of creation with the seventh day, seventh day, the day of rest. But the main point I'd like to make is that God creates in sequence, not all at once. God works in increments. He's ordering space. He's going from chaos to increasing order in steps. Our creator God is a God who makes separations. He creates patterns. He works according to kinds. He creates order progressively going forward from order, from chaos to order, from darkness to light. And you might think, oh, that's a big deal. Well, God introduces himself as a creator who does not just snap his finger and everything is 100%. Poof, there it is. Are you listening? Let me say that again. God is not just snapping his fingers and everything is 100%. God is a God of progression and order and processes. If we are honest, that's not really what we imagine God to be like. In fact, that is probably not what we want God to be like. We want someone who instantly fixes our problems, right? And we get super upset with God when he does not fix our problems in an instant. Many people, perhaps you, perhaps some of your friends, walk away from God because they're disappointed with him. They prayed and nothing happened immediately. God did not fix the problem right then and there. Let me be clear. You are disappointed with the wrong idea about God, for God does not introduce himself like this. He introduces himself as a creator who just does not snap his finger and everything is 100%. This is also not how you encounter Jesus, right? Jesus came as an embryo, then as an infant, as a toddler, as a kid, as a teenager. No snapping of fingers there. Like, poof, there's a 30-year-old 
blue-eyed Obi-Wan Kenobi Jesus with sash. <laughs> A week after Adam and Eve ate the fruit. No, Jesus himself had to undergo a sequence of events, a progression that culminated on the cross, going into resurrection, and then finally being enthroned in heaven. There was no snapping of fingers there. And that's, by the way, what Satan wanted Jesus to do. Snap his fingers, shortcut this. And take your own experience with Christianity, with Jesus, with your own experience with conversion and salvation. Is everything 100% right now in your life? No. Is it not rather true that God progressively and graciously fixes you up as you're journeying with him? So let me say this again. God introduces himself as a creator who does not just snap his fingers and everything is 100%. God is a God of progression and processes. God brings good order progressively into our lives. Question, how does he do that? This brings me to the third point. I didn't know if you realize there is a third point now. <laughs> if you study this more closely, and I want to look at this text again with you, you notice that in the first three days, God creates three spaces by separating and ordering these spaces, right? In day one, darkness from light, atmosphere from water, sky from land. So. If you look at uh, verse 14 going onwards, he puts then on day four the sun and the moon in the spaces that he has created on day one. So day one and day four correspond to each other. Day one is preparing the darkness and the light, and then day four is populating those two spaces. You see a slide. On day five, which corresponds with day two, he puts birds in the sky and fish in the sea, the spaces he has created on day two. And on day six, he puts animals and people on the land that he has prepared on day three. Can you see this pattern? God prepares a space, he prepares a context, he prepares environments, and then he fills those spaces that he has prepared with life. This is the pattern that God is using in many places, in most things, I would argue, including salvation. God prepares, then he fills. God prepares a nation through which he will bring the Messiah. The gospel follows the same pattern. Make ready the way of the Lord. He prepares. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is here. And then there he comes, the Lord of life. And you know this, I think, in your own life. God cleanses us by the blood that he sheds on the cross. He washes us in the waters of baptism in order to fill us with the spirit of life. Because without that, you will still be spiritually dead. So it's repentance and forgiveness as preparation and then infilling and it's filled, being filled again and again because it's progressively moving forward, right? And so this happens usually not all at once. Sometimes God works, works that way, but most of the time he does not snap his fingers 
Rather, God progressively brings good order into our chaos. God does not sidestep his creation. He works with it, through it, with us, by us. So let's think about a few implications. Although I hope, I pray, that the Holy Spirit has already been pointing out some things in your life. And if God has been talking to you, like you, don't be a fool. Don't harden your heart now. Respond. Don't build your house on the sand. I started out by reminding you that reality, existence, you and I, are not just stardust and flux. All of this, you and I, are God's thought. And we are in God's mind. If you worry about that, it's a little bit like the Matrix, actually. Read Acts 17, 28 later. His thought creates and sustains all things. And among other things, that means God is closer to you than you can think. It means that you and your life have deep meaning. There's God's good intention, creativity before you, under you, in you, through you. So whenever you hear and sense his thought in your mind, his word coming to you, that is more real than the chair you're sitting on. I know it's bizarre, that's not how we think. Because we think material is first and then thought is next, but it's actually the other way around. God's word is the stuff this world is sitting on. And therefore, holding to and believing his world-creating word is not a foolish thing. It is the wisest thing you could do because his word is the foundation for all worlds. It's a little bit like the force in Star Wars. Oh, somebody's listening. Good. <laughs> the second thing we looked at is that God is a God of order and progression. God introduces himself as a creator who does not just snap his finger and everything is 100%. No, God is a God of progression and processes. And this, I hope, you let sink into your heart. Because this means, and this is really annoying about God, that God is not in a hurry. He's not the kind of God who usually swoops in, snaps his finger, and makes everything nice for you in an instant. God is not an instant, fix-it-now kind of God. He usually is not, the eagles are coming, right, kind of God. Sometimes he does that, but usually not. God rather works through creation in time and space with processes bringing progressively order into our chaos. And that's, for example, why God can use medicine to heal you, right? And, other, and why he might use other people to help you in your problem, with your problems. He does not snap his finger and unilaterally does his thing, no. He works in, through, by, and with his creation. And that's not a contradiction to how God usually works. Right? He works within creation. He doesn't sidestep it. You need to know this. You need to have that idea planted in your heart because it will save you from deep, deep disappointments. And perhaps you need to reconnect and come back to the God of Genesis. 
turn away from this false image that we might have about the on-demand, instant-fix-it kind of God, the God of comfort, the God of this world, because that's not the God of Scripture. That is not the God we see in Jesus. And in the third move, we saw how God brings order. He prepares the environment in days one to three, and then he fills those environments with life. He populates them with life in days four to six. And so God is a God of order who is in and over the chaos of our lives, over our emotions, who will progressively bring clarity, light, order, beauty, maturity into our contexts. So that means you need to give God the time for this. You need to be patient with yourself, with God, with others, for God to progressively work. Creating and loving takes time. God, and, and you might ask yourself, why is that? Why are you doing it that way, God? Well, I would argue because true love does not happen in a hurry. Love does not happen in a hurry. In fact, true love, God, involves you. It doesn't just do things for you, it involves you. It's not just snapping of fingers, it's bringing in. It pulls you into the other. And so God summons us to progressively co-work with him, even, as it later says in Philippians, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. He wants us to be involved within creation, to involve us into the process of salvation. He wants us to go to others and tell them about him. Later in Genesis, in Genesis 1.28, God invites all of us, men and women, to rule the world and to multiply. And that means God is inviting us to co-rule and co-create. This means we are invited into this life-giving, good process of bringing order. That's why we enjoy Lego masters and Legos. That's why we enjoy house building and gardening and farming and music and painting. We are creative beings because he is the creator. And a sense of satisfaction comes from this process of being involved in this creative process because God is a God of progressive order, and you and I, therefore, enjoy that kind of thing. We love to co-create. We love to order our world in the same way, bringing our imagination into reality by increasingly ordering our environment, and God does the same. And the cool thing, this is just a side note, uh, cool thing is that that won't stop. In eternity future, God is still co-creating and co-ruling with us. And in my sci-fi imagination, that means we'll be involved in terraforming galaxies. I'm quite excited about that. Right? So one final word about the trees. I started with tree hugging, remember? Since God is a God of creativity, of progressive order, a God who brings life out of chaos, a God who prepares environments for life to flourish and in invites us into this, if that is true, then for us to allow that environment to be exploited and destroyed, 
means to effectively allow it to be reverted into chaos and dust, well, that's not just bad stewardship, that's ungodlike. God prepares environments so that we would flourish. And so doing the opposite, I would argue, is not on God's agenda. It's a destroyer and confuser who's into this. So ever so often, it might be worthwhile hugging a tree <laughs> and realizing that God has prepared these things for us to enjoy, for us to realize that he's good, that he's in things, and that he progressively works from acorn to mature tree. I don't know what God has said to you this morning. I hope you have heard him speak. I pray you have heard him speak. Please don't let that just drop to the ground. Do business with God. Let me pray. Lord, we recognize that you are a God of order and progression. We recognize that you speak life into this world. You have spoken life into our hearts. And Lord, we, we want your life to flourish in us. And I pray that you help us to make space for you. We want to give you the space to prepare and to regroup and to, um, yeah, not rush that. And I pray that you would come by your spirit to fill us again and again in deeper and more meaningful ways. Change us, transform us into the sons of daughters of light that we are called to be. Lord, we delight in the things you delight in. Help us to delight in these things even more. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen.